Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching In Depth on Now You Know. Help support our channel with new designs every week from ecoware.us, where we carbon offset the production, the shipping, and the life cycle of every product, and we plant a tree for every order. And we're brought to you by abetterrootplanner.com. They just passed 15 million trips planned in EVs, and there's a new app for Android and Apple, making it even easier to use a better root planner. Plan your next EV trip with abetterrootplanner.com. And sponsored by our friends at the solar-powered hotels in Schaumburg, Illinois, the Fairfield Inn and Suites by Marriott, and the Town Place Suite Hotel right next door. They're both connected, and they're both solar-powered. So Jesse, we talk a lot about exponentials on this channel, S-curves you know, how new technologies, especially disruptive technologies, get adopted. In fact, right now we're running a 14-part weekly series called Elon the Disruptor, which talks about how Elon is disrupting, well, just about everything. Exactly. And I think one of the hardest parts in understanding this talk of disruption has always been the exponential curve part. Most people in the world just can't either believe or wrap their heads around how things can happen so fast. Now, we all know that there is a double plus bad cold going on around the world. What is double plus bad cold, you ask? Well, YouTube won't let us talk about the you know what that's affecting everyone right now, but you're all smart people, so you know what we're talking about. Yeah, some background on me. I've been serving as an elected official on my local board of health for over 20 years. And you can imagine with the double plus bad cold going on, we're having meetings practically every day, getting updates on stats, and we're passing directives and policies to keep the public safe. Whether you live in Europe or Asia or North America or Australia, we are all experiencing the double plus bad cold moving into our countries and our towns. And I think it's fair to say that we're all experiencing the same phenomena double plus bad cold first happened in a city in China. And it was, oh, wow, that's too bad for them. And then a few days went by and it became, oh, wow, I hope it doesn't affect me getting that part I need from China. And it just kept progressing where each day you'd hear about another outbreak and your mind wouldn't really absorb what was happening. I mean, on some mathematical level, you understood how transmission rates work, right? I mean, if the double plus bad cold was spreading at a rate of three in a certain country, then you had an exponential curve that looked like this. But another part of your brain was thinking, but this can't really be happening, right? Because this isn't a movie. And if this is happening this quickly, then ipso facto, it will affect me soon. Now, the reason I know that this is all happening is because I've been watching as a board of health member, I've been watching as a believer in exponential adoption curves, and I've been watching as a dumb human myself, who even though I understand all this on one level, on another level, I was still thinking the same thing when it came into my community hard. Should I get some toilet paper? <laughs> and then this morning I realized, you know, I'm a YouTuber and this is a learning moment. And as bad as this double plus bad cold is, we can all learn something useful from this. And I'm not talking about how we can prepare better next time for the next double plus bad cold. We certainly should do that too. I'm talking about how the fact that this double plus bad cold is happening in real time means that we can see and experience concepts that normally can't be comprehended by our brains. Because normally when we talk about adoption curves of disruptive technologies, we're talking about years of time. Even fast adoptions like cell phones still take years to play out. So trying to remember what it was like before you had a cell phone is still kind of hazy. I mean, I had a hard time believing I would never use a landline. In fact, the other day I realized I still have a landline, <laughs> but I just got rid of all the phones in the house that used it. So then why do you still have the landline? 
Well, I, I called the company like a few months ago to get rid of it. And they're like, it costs you more to get rid of it. It's bundled. So it's bundled with my internet and it costs more to get rid of it. So, yeah. So <laughs> the, I don't have a landline, but I do. What a disruptive thing this is that, you you know, you have this item on your bill that makes your whole bill cheaper. And yet you're not going to use it. And if you got rid of it, it would be more expensive. Like, And the phone and the internet and phone companies have to basically be like, well, we got to keep the phone lines on there because otherwise our numbers are going to drop and that's going to look bad to our shareholders and we're going to be in trouble. But the point is, it's still hard to believe that we don't need a landline, that this new cell phone technology has replaced something that I used for over 40 years. My reptilian brain just can't quite let go of it. And you see how silly that sounds? I mean, especially to you younger people who are watching. The double plus bad cold is going to change our perceptions on a lot of things once we get through it. Because we will have lived through it in a relatively short amount of time, and we will have done it together. Now, even though it will have been worse in some places and better in others, in most places around the world as we speak, life as we knew it just a few weeks ago is now remarkably different. To help slow the spread of double plus bad cold, many borders are closed and much travel has been restricted. In the U.S., for instance, most of our schools are closed for the next few weeks. People around the world are being asked to shelter at home. This is unprecedented in our lifetimes. A huge change to our lives that happened practically overnight. Something that we were told about before. We've had other double plus bad cold types of outbreaks before. We understand scientifically and mathematically how they work, but they just didn't seem real enough to put much work into planning for them. But as I've been studying the data and as I've been looking for clues about how this double plus bad cold works, I see that South Korea has had a completely different experience than the rest of the world. There, even though they have a huge population and many densely packed cities, the double plus bad cold didn't spread much at all. You know why? Why? The government prepared. They did a couple fairly simple things early on. One, the government of South Korea told about 140 companies to start making masks. Yes, the very same masks that the CDC said here in the States we shouldn't use. Simple face masks. The South Korean companies were told to make millions of them per day, and they did. So go online and search for photos of people in South Korea, and for the past few weeks, guess what? The entire population is wearing a mask. Number two, they started testing early on, and they made testing fast and easy. There are even drive-through testing spots in South Korea where you can get the results within 24 hours. And this gave their health officials data valuable data. Here in the U.S., we lack testing and we lack masks. The measures that we've taken to slow double plus bad cold has also given us a unique glimpse at how we humans affect our planet. In real time, we're going to see an experiment unfold. What if we stop driving our cars and trucks around? What if we shut down polluting factories? Yeah, in all the chaos of double plus bad cold, this is actually an opportunity to ask what if questions and actually to get answers. So what if we stopped running polluting boats up and down Venice's canals? Now, normally, if you ask that question, you'd have to just make an educated guess about the answer. But here we have answers. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> uh, Venice's canals are uh, very, very dirty. They're very, very polluted. Uh, everything's very, very churned up. And so the people of Venice have learned to not go in the water because it's gross. However, within a short span of time, the swans are coming back. The dolphins are coming back to Venice. Uh, you can see the fish in the canals. The canals are clear. You can see all the way to the bottom. Something that just a few weeks ago, you couldn't do. Let's ask another what if mm -hmm. question. What if we stopped the polluting factories in northern Italy for a little while? You'd see that the nitrous dioxide levels over northern Italy 
decreased dramatically. And what if they stopped the factories in China for a while? You see that same drop. And that is, again, the factories and the and the cars, they've all stopped running. So what's going on now with double plus bad coal demonstrates what is happening as we speak with many other exponential curves that are going on just at a slightly slower rate, slow enough so that they seem like they'll take forever or never happen. And I'm talking about the adoption of electric vehicles, the adoption of solar and wind energy, the adoption of battery storage, the adoption of autonomous vehicles and more. So wait, you are comparing this crisis to all of these positive things? In, yeah. in what way are they similar? Yeah, it seems impossible that EVs will overtake ICE cars, doesn't it? We often hear, especially from big auto, that it will take at least till 2050 before we even see EV sales equaling ICE sales. Because how could it happen quicker? All I see everywhere in the world are ICE vehicles and ICE factories and ICE dealerships and ICE commercials and ICE mechanics. Yeah, just like when three weeks ago I walked outside my house and there was no double plus bad cold anywhere in my town. How could it possibly change? So you're saying that EV and solar will spread like a virus? Yeah, well, kind of, except instead of a virus, it's an idea. It's just that most of the world has been inoculated against the idea of EVs and solar. Most people have been told for their entire lives that EVs are not the answer, that solar is not the answer. So you're saying that most people have a defense against the idea of EVs and solar and so that the new idea is not spread very fast? Yeah. As the solar and EV idea virus took hold in certain pockets of the world, Big Oil was quick to squash the outbreak. Remember when Big Auto went and bought up electric trolley companies and then destroyed all the electric trolleys? I don't remember that. This was back in the beginning of electric vehicles uh, back in the 40s and 50s. Basically, GM and other companies just bought them up and squashed them. And we've been seeing it time and time again here now in your lifetime. For instance, when Tesla tried to start selling EVs in certain states. Big oil and big auto, they lobbied governments to not allow Tesla direct sales in their states and so on. So big oil and big auto have been following the data. They've been following the outbreak of this idea, and they've been doing an excellent job at keeping EV and solar from spreading. But just like with double plus bad cold, once you get enough people with the idea, the idea is unstoppable. Yeah. At some point, you stop trying to isolate and quarantine, right? And you just try to slow the spread. And that is the stage that big oil and big auto are in now. They're slowing the spread as best they can in the hopes that they are not overrun. Now, can they slow it down fast enough so that they can transition? We'll have to see. So you were saying something interesting today, which was that Tesla is almost like a mutation. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, I mean, electric cars for the longest time, this idea of an electric car was something that was not that powerful, not a lot of range. You couldn't go on long distance trips with it. It was just a commuter's car. It was just, you know, Bob will get from his home to work and then he will need to plug in for another eight hours in order to get home. Right. That was the electric car of the past. And so Big Oil and Big Auto are really good at squashing that. They're like, you don't want that. You want someone to power. You want something with dependability. You want no compromises. You know, that idea pretty much squashed the idea of having a uh, an electric car. And when it was like, oh, but I want something that's efficient. They'd be like, okay. How about a hybrid? You can have a hybrid. It's more efficient. Yay. And so people were like, oh, great. If I want to be efficient, I'll buy a Prius. And that will be me. And I can feel superior to everyone because I bought my Prius. So Tesla comes along. And instead of this, you know, dopey, mopey, slow mobile, you now have the quickest production 
uh, car in the world, zero to 60 in 2.2 seconds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is blisteringly fast. It, it scrapes the paint off of everything else. You have a range over 350 miles right. on the Model S. Um, and and that completely changes the game. And now you have the supercharger stations. So that completely wipes away that defense that the that the auto industry could put up. You know, and then they were like, okay, okay. it's affordability. EVs are just too expensive. Now you have the Model 3 coming in. And it's not the least expensive car in the world. But if you look at it throughout its lifetime, it's really close if you're buying a new car. So Tesla is basically this, this mutatious uh, v- part of the virus that is completely changing the way that the auto industry has to deal with the idea of EVs. And so now they've had to go from basically like, just don't think about it. Don't think about EVs. They're boring and dumb. They have to come out with EVs of their own. They have to make these, I don't want to call them um, vaccines, <laughs> but they're kind of like vaccines. They're like a pettier version of the virus. And so if you're like, if you're excited about a bolt, maybe you'll get a bolt and you'll go with the bolt for a little bit, but maybe you get bored of it. Maybe you're like, well, it's not that powerful. It's not that. Meh. And instead of what a normal vaccine would do, which would be to be like, all right, well, electric cars suck. I'm going to go back to my diesel truck. You're going to be like, maybe the bugs bit you, you know, and you're like, oh, I want I want faster. I want better. You're going to move to the Tesla. I don't know. It's it's one way to think of it. And this double plus bad cold, I think, has shown us how fast this can happen, uh, because once an idea catches hold, once the economics are correct, there's nothing holding back the shift. Everyone seems to think that it will just have to unfold over decades and mm-hmm. decades, just like we thought with the double plus bad cold. Well, it can't possibly reach my shores. Right. It can't possibly. And even if it does, I can't mean that uh, it's going to affect my life. Right. And now you're sitting at home, literally probably stuck in your house, not able to go out and do things in a group, not not go to work probably, the kids can't go to school, all because within days, this change has happened across the world. Right. And that change is happening with EVs. The The one limiting factor is how many amazing EVs can be put out on the road at a time. And, and so the biggest limiting factor is just how many Tesla Model 3s, Model S's, Model X's, and other great electric cars can be put out on the roads in a given amount of time. And that is the limit. That's the only thing that's really stopping the spread. There's a second thing. You're right about that. Definitely it's the number of cars, Mm -hmm. but it's also the rate of transmission. And the rate of transmission is affected by you, the person who gets that electric car. If you're quiet about it, if you're like, (laughs) well, don't look at my car, then that's a low rate of transmission. But if you're like many that are out there and you're like, get your butt in this seat, get infected. (laughs) That is what gets the rate of transmission to go higher and to get everyone to go, oh my gosh, you know what I was in today? I was in a Tesla. Right. Um, And that's why you got to get butts and seats. Right. And I think that there's also this other missing piece, which is that the the virus can get in your head. And there are plenty of people I know you're sitting out there watching and you're like, I can't afford a Tesla yet. But, you know, by gosh darn it, that's going to be my next car. And I'm going to start saving for that car. And I'm going to try to buy either the cheapest or the least amount of car that I can get away with um, in that span of time between, you know, now and buying my my Tesla Model 3. And so there's going to be this this gulch of of car sales and people are going to be scratching their heads as to why that's happening. Now, it gets muddied up with double plus bad cold. So funny how intertwined everything is. But what can happen is uh, once enough people have decided I, you know, electric car is going to be my next car, um, we're going to see new ICE auto sales dry up. And it's just going to be like, why are people not buying cars? But 
And yet, the more cars that Tesla can produce, the more cars they sell. That is the ticket right there. That is where it kind of differs from a virus. But again, it's the uh, the virus is the idea. So, I mean, as we sit in our homes for the next few weeks, going through this unprecedented event of double plus bad cold together, let's not forget that we are also living through some other waves, positive waves of new technologies that will be moving all of our lives for the better in cleaner and safer directions for our planet and for our children and our children's children. We'll get through this and we'll learn a lot. And let's remember to apply what we've learned afterwards. So stay safe out there, everyone. Now, now you know. know.